Happy Sabbath once again, God's people. Happy Sabbath. I know because the Sabbath day is always a day of joy for God's people. Amen. And that is why the scripture says, I am glad when they say unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. As I go about my business from the beginning of the week, I'm always longing to have the Sabbath day to come. Amen. Because I know I will come to the presence of God to rejoice with all the believers and to share in the joy of the Lord. And I'm so glad that I am in the presence of God Almighty today and uh, his blessings for me as a Sabbath keeper is a blessing that is everlasting. Amen. Amen. Um, also want to say a big thanks to the leadership of the church for this privilege given to stand before God's people to share in the knowledge of God's word. Um, have this topic before me, the triumph of the light. And I want us to take the text again from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. I will take it again. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be heard. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a busher, but on a candlestick, and it give a light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. As I was preparing this message, I tried to check for definitions of light from the general definition, I got this statement that light is merely a physical phenomenon, a form of energy that is made of protons. And the innate nature of light is to disperse darkness, never as darkness put out light. That is the general word for light. And I checked through the biblical perspective of light. It is used in a reference to both Christ and God the Father. Light is God's glory. Light also emphasized the concept of the truth and revelation. Light also stresses God's moral qualities and purities. Righteousness, holiness, and perfection. That is what light is all about in biblical perspective when it comes to light. And I check through the word of God that Jesus Christ, when he was alive, looking into the future, actually described the crises of our modern generation in all of his sermons, as Christ was upon the mount and he was teaching his disciples, he described what would befall this modern generation. He outlined certain things that would take place as last day events 
down to the end of time. And in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 37 to 39, Christ says, the modern world would be in darkness and sinful as the old world of Noah. That was Jesus telling his disciples what would become the world in the last days. And as I checked through the Newcastle daily, it reminds us that our planet Earth remains chaotic. Our planet Earth has become unpredictable, plagued by uncertainty, war everywhere, natural disaster, immorality, terrorist attack. One of my friends just caught my attention to something yesterday and called me to say, Caleb, I hope you don't live close to London Bridge. And I asked him what is happening at London Bridge. He Chris sent me a video of a man who carried knife to stop some people at London Bridge yesterday. Terrorists attacked all over the world. I came from a country where the northern part of Nigeria is restless because of Islamic extremists. Thousands and millions of people are dying yearly, cutism and school shooting, kidnapping. These are the things that we see in Newcastle every day. It is a daily reminder that our health is calm, is chaotic and unpredictable. God's people, we are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. And because of all these things that are happening around us, men's heart is foiling, is failing them to fear. Many see what's time ahead, and the fears are led them to assumption that evil in the world is willing the body. The assumption has led many to believe that justice is retreating. This assumption has led many to believe that righteousness is on the run, and the truth has fallen. God's people, I want to remind us today that that assumption may not be right. Friends, I did not know how dark our situation is or how dark the world may be around us. I wouldn't know how long the darkness may have been around us. But one thing is sure. Through how the ages, in the midst of evil, in the midst of moral decadency, in the midst of all the sadness happening, in the midst of hard times, in the midst of, in the midst of ignorance as dark as midnight, God has always half his people. The people with a message of hope. People called for a mission. People called with a message of salvation. People called to shine the light of righteousness in this dark world of sin. I'm not surprised that you and I have been called because we are God's people. Because we are people of hope. Because we are people of the message. Because we are the people of the book. In this world of darkness, even at the time, the scripture says, Abel worshipped God in truth and in spirit, not by sight, but by faith. Even at this time, we can also have people who worship God in truth and in spirit. Enoch also walked with God and it was translated. Noah reflected light for many years. Abraham did the same. Lord and his family were triumphed in the midst of darkness. 
Daniel and his friends in heathen nation, they also triumphed above the darkness of their time. Before Jesus' ministry, there was darkness first, and John the Baptist was called. He was called a burning and a shining lamp, John chapter 5, verse 34. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, the report says, But on those who dwelt in the shadow of death, a bright light arose and triumphed. It was to God's glory. To those who believe in Christ, to those who have believed to follow the light, the glory of God is always around them. As a church, we have a call to service. God has uniquely called the church to both live and to proclaim his last day message of love and truth. That the mission of the church is the great commission found in the book of Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. As we have this mission of God to us, as we have this great commission of Christ to us to preach and teach and baptize around the world, we have an omission. Why an omission? Why the problem of omission in the commission of God that has given to the church? Because the church has allowed the prevailing cultures to gradually squeeze her into its more than mates worldly attitudes and values have become the values of the church. Because we are tempted to live by the moment. We are captivated by material world. We only treasure what we can see. We are concerned with immediate gratification. This is the problem of the world that has crept into the church. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. And I want to say loud and clear, God's people, that the challenges of taking the gospel to the world is not new. The disciples also faced with the same challenge in the first century. And we're also facing with it in this 21st century. But it is good to note that challenge or the challenges come first before a change. There must be a desert before a hallelujah. There must be a crown of thorns before a golden crown. There must be a kingdom-seeking attitude before every other thing. There must be a trial before a testimony. And that should be our position. And that should be our thinking as God's people. There must be upper room experience before we can reflect and reveal Christ in truth and in spirit to a dying world. There must be an upper experience. And what is this upper room experience? It calls for meditation. We are to meditate upon the word of God day by day. It calls for self-searching, to search ourselves if we are still in the light. It calls for scripture searching. It calls for intercessory and confessional prayer as we have done here today. We are the light of the world until our pretty differences and distractions are swallowed up in the all-consuming desire for outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The desire to share the truth and to reveal the works of darkness will now be met. The differences that may be rising among the whites or the blacks, the differences that may be rising among those who do not speak our language or those who are speaking our language, 
until all these distractions are swallowed up in the desire for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, then we may not have the courage to share the truth and to reveal the works of darkness. No wonder the world says it takes a crucified church to present a crucified Christ. That is a church that lives up to the truth, a church that is loving, patient, unselfish, cheerful, sympathetic, and proposal to bless others. Thus, to be the light is to reveal God's message of truth in word and in character. It's not enough for us to say we are Adventists, we have the light, but the light of God must be revealed through the words and in character. And true worshippers must affirm God's goodness, recognizes his worthiness, and references his presence. When Christ is at the center of our worship, we'll be forthcoming with praise and thanksgiving. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul warned as he wrote to the people of Rome, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, what is the perfect will of God. Conformity with the world. We have been warned not to be conformed with the world, but to be renewed in the spirit and to understand the perfect will of God for our lives and what is the perfect will of God for God's followers to live a holy life because God is holy. Where I walk, one of my friends asked me at a break time, he wanted to take some minutes, about 30 minutes for break, and uh, I've been seeing them because I'm new. I've been seeing them every break time. They take their jacket, about two of them, and they will go down. And after a while, they will come back. And one day, they asked me, Caleb, will you follow us so that we can go for break together? And I decided to go with them. We went down to a place because I work in an hospital area where they have information on the world do not smoke because, but we have some areas where people can smoke. And I went with them and they were smoking. They offered me a stick or cigarette and I said, no, I don't smoke. And they asked me, why is it that you don't smoke? I explained to them. They asked me if I drink. I said, I don't drink. I've never smoked in my life. I've never taken alcohol in my life. And they were wondering what kind of human being is this? And as I checked around, coming all the way from Exeter today, I was sharing with my brother who drove us that with time, when you live in an environment where things that appear to be evil become order of the day with the people, then over the time, it will appear to be the right thing for the people to do. The scripture says we should not conform with the world. What are the areas in our lives that we are conforming with the world? The scripture says to live in the perfect will of God is to live a holy life because God himself is holy. It's to be sanctified. To be sanctified. In Thessalonians 4 verse 3, we read by saying, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. 
that you should abstain from fornication, the perfect will of God, and the unique nature of light that I know, as far as I know, that light, it illuminates. When there is darkness and light comes up, it illuminates. Once upon a time, I was dry, I was coming from my village, from my village to, back to school, and uh, I, I, I didn't know how to drive them. I decided to enter what we call a coach here, a state coach, and getting to where I would drop uh, to go to the campus. It was already late, around 11 p.m. at night. There was darkness everywhere. I used to fear that, oh, I've become a big boy. I used to feel that I've become a boy that's, that's so tough that can withstand any obstacle or hindrances. But that day, I pulled out my school bag at my back, and I came down from the bus, jumping back to school, some meters to the school gate. I saw something because there was darkness everywhere. I could not see movement around me. I could not see anything around me. It was a perfect darkness. But in a meter, meters to the school gate, I saw something white, tall like a human being. And as I was looking at that stuff, I saw that the stuff was just moving up and down like a human being. And when I saw it in the country where I came from, sometimes we assume when you see such in darkness, you think it's a ghost. When I saw it, I thought it was a ghost. I quickly jumped into the nearest bush and I was there reciting the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I was there and my heartbeat increased. If there is anything to check my blood pressure, it could have shot up. I was there for some minutes watching that white thing moving up and down. And I was praying within my spirit. And after a while, another bus was coming. And the headlamp of that bus reflected on that white thing that I assumed that it was a ghost. Lo and behold, it was just a white cloth put on the grass there. Light illuminates. It exposes what is covered or hidden. Light and darkness are arch rivals. That's what the scripture says. And the innate nature of light is to dispel darkness. I've never seen darkness dispelling light before. I've never seen. I've never seen darkness pour out light before. No wonder Apostle John wrote, the light keeps shining in the dark, and the darkness has never put it out. In essence, we all have the ability to shine our lights irrespective of the amount of light that we may have. It could be possible by following Bible injunctions. And the scripture says, before you can become the light of the world, you must abandon the transient things of this dark world of sins. And what are these things that we are to abandon according to the scriptures? The loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, 
and the boastful pride of life, for they are not of the Father. No wonder Romans chapter 13, verse 11 and 12 says, Paul put it clearly, the night is fast spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put all, all the hammer of light. We do not have time on our side anymore, God's people. We do not have time anymore. The lust of flesh, lust of the highs, the boastful pride of life. Let us put it aside because the night is fast spent and the day is at hand. We have to cast off the words of darkness and put on the light and put on the light and put on the light. The word of the Lord in opposition with the works of darkness. Jesus Christ says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not work in darkness, but have light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. And whoever that follows Jesus, whoever that has said Jesus, whoever that decides to go with him, will not work in darkness, but will work in the light, because Jesus is the light of the world. God's people, Christians, are not only saved from darkness, but we have been empowered to work as people of light and to transmit the light. We are called not to be shaped by the word, but to be shaped by the word. Because the word is a light unto our path. When God's word shapes us, we see God more clearly. When we are shaped by the words of the Lord, we see God more clearly. Love him and our neighbor more dearly and follow him more nearly when we have the word of God in our life. And the gospel demands between consistency, between our talk and work, it's not just to talk about it, but it's to work in it. When Jesus said, you are the light of the word, what he had in mind are the attributes of light and its relationship to darkness. The favor of being called the light of the world goes with responsibility to shine. And for us to reflect his light and be victorious, we need to reconnect. If we have been disconnected from God, from the source of light, for us to reflect the light of the world to the world, we need to reconnect back to him. We need to admit him. We need to submit to him. We need to reflame back our life. We need to commit our life to him. We need to transmit the light into the world. Because we are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. Christians are to keep talking of the light of the righteousness until we change from glory to glory. We are to continue as Adventists to talk about the light of righteousness, to talk about Jesus unto the world, until we change from glory to glory, until we change from character to character, until we change from glory and strength, until we move by reflecting more and more the precious image of Christ. In summary, we live in a time of deepest darkness and the call to let our light shine could be achieved by what the spirit of prophecy are waiting for us. She wrote, a reviver of true godliness among us 
is the greatest and most urgent of all our need until we become revived. The greatest and urgent need of God's people is true revival. Godliness, true godliness among his people is the urgent need of God's people. Not the houses, not the clothings we buy, not the cars, but true godliness in righteousness. This is what we need of a revival in this last day. God's people, Christian life acts like salt and light in their environment, in their homes, in the workplace. Just as salt, Christians act like catalysts, a spiritual chemical reaction to bring about change in others, but remains unchanged in the process. We are like a chemical reaction that will change others, but as we are changing, changing others, we remain unchanged in the process. As light, Christians illuminate their environment and expose the words of darkness. When a Christian loses his virtues, he or she becomes nobody. He or she becomes useless. We are the light of the world. God's people, this afternoon I therefore present Christ, the light of the world, to you. We are created in his image, and we are falling short of his glory. Jesus came to restore this glory in house and called us the sword and light of the world. He is coming again. We are to shine. We are to illuminate the dark world. We have to reflect Jesus in this sinful world. We have to let others know that Jesus will soon come. He is coming soon and he's coming again. How prepared are you to receive Jesus when he comes? Remain blessed in Jesus' name.